If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. Once COVID-19 is under control, we'll get back into our cars, we'll get back onto the trains, and ultimately we'll be back on planes. And that reduction of production of oil will be 10 million that will be needed again. So I felt very attracted to oil stocks that had been uh, knocked down 70%. G'day and welcome back to the Equity Investor Journey, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello. In this episode, I'd like to introduce Michael D. from Pythagoras Investing. Hello, Michael. Good day, Phil. According to Michael, the Pythagoras Timing Index predicts upcoming share events based on a reading of the Volatility Index. Tell us about volatility and how Pythagoras utilises this measure. If we go back a little bit in time to what was or what is the VIX Volatility Index, and the, the VIX Volatility Index is constructed in America by the Chicago Board of Trade. And it started me to be quite fascinated by volatility in, in the order of 1996, 97, 98. And what it was telling us through the GFC period was uh, leading up to the GFC, the volatility was about 12%. And then it ramped to 30 and then 60 and 90, and the commentators were going berserk with what volatility was and what it meant. And the thing that I realized that was significantly lacking with that measure when I tried to apply it more broadly was it never told me what was coming next. It gave me an expression or an understanding of what had been, but nothing predictive about it. So it left me a little bit uh, disenfranchised with using the volatility measures in the market as we know it. And so that led me to uh, a greater level of uh, endeavour in understanding volatility and how we could use it in the Australian market. Volatility is usually, or a simple way of explaining volatility is that it's the, the rate of change in markets. Is that the case? That is one of the, well, that is the colloquial definition of it. It's not what we do, um, but it is definitely what people uh, think about when they think of volatility. It's really change. And um, so you're using this volatility index for the Pythagoras system. How is it um, uh, plugged into your system? So the way we use it is we've constructed our own proprietary index. And that index is applied to every single stock. And the most important thing about volatility is what comes next, which was the thing that frustrated me about the VIX volatility index. Now, if the VIX was at 90 and I was able to understand that it was going to 80, then I can tell you that one thing's for sure, share prices are going to rise. And that's what we've done. That's the basic, most basic concept that we've applied in our mathematics to the Australian shares that we offer, that when volatility is rising and begins to fall, you'll get an increase in share prices. So what we do is buy ahead of the increase in share prices.
Because what we know is that volatility change precedes price change. I'll just say that again because that is absolutely contrary to everything that's understood. Volatility change precedes price change. And what we're doing is just trading in advance of that price change. So we can buy ahead of a rise and sell ahead of a reduction. That is the most basic way to outline what we do at Pythagoras. But I can explain that more later if you wish. Oh, I'd love to. Let's talk about it now. Sure. Well, the thing about investing that we know that's very, very important is to be a very good investor, you need to be disciplined, you need to be focused, and you need to be resilient. You need to be uh, realistic about what you do, and you need to keep it very, very simple. So all, all in all, you need to be quite unemotional, and you need to be quite planned and methodological. Now, as human beings with human biases, it's one of the things that we struggle with the most. And the reality is we're hardwired to be emotional. We don't really have the capacity to be unemotional about terribly many things. And there's a very, very few people that can be unemotional when it comes time to invest because most people want to buy when it's rising and going higher and everybody's euphoric and most don't want to buy when the opportunities present, which is where the harder times come to the market. And so what we're doing is actually highlighting those biases and cutting through them using the maths, because there's a few things um, going on that people don't even realise. So as I said, we construct, measure and track the changes with volatility, and we use that to make recommendations. Now. Broadly, the way the stock market is analysed is by using events. So a managing director retires, the finance director um, gets promoted, uh, a new acquisition, whatever it is, we analyse it through events. Now, as an analyst of old, uh, I can tell you that I would have had 80 to 100 uh, stocks that I would have analysed. Now, I can guarantee you I didn't look at those stocks every day. I picked up the screaming baby. I picked up the stock when it needed attention. And that was generally when there was an event um, that had occurred. Now, when that event occurs, you've got um, an ability to do some work, do some analysis, come up with a decision, and then enact that. Now, the problem with the internet and email and the way information flows in this market is you don't have time to react to information because everybody's got it at the same time. Not only that, everyone's got the right answer at the right time. So when they're trying to act, they're all trying to act at the one time. And that causes difficulties because no one can get what they want done at the same time. Now, the counterpoint is what we do. So I would call that reactive investing, and I think you would agree. The counterpoint is we're constantly taking price inputs into our systems. We're running them through our volatility models, which run to north of 100,000 lines of code. We're looking at the way that that volatility is reacting, and then we're doing our buying and selling when it's needed ahead of those price events. So again, volatility reacts first and then price. Now, the beautiful thing about that 
from my point of view and from our client's point of view is that the returns have been um, pretty fantastic. In, in actual fact, for the 70 stocks that we currently offer, the returns, the, the actual realised returns have been uh, north of 18% when the market capital growth did just shy of five. So that's that's what we're doing. And in effect, we're taking advantage of those price cycles that exhibit themselves all of the time in the market. Most people stick their fingers in the ears, close their eyes and make funny noises to try and ignore it happening. What we're trying to do is give people the power to utilise those in their investing. You alluded to being a research analyst. Tell us a bit about your past. And um, you worked at uh, QIC, didn't you, which was the Queensland Investment Corporation? That's exactly right. Yes, I was in there in the mid-90s until um, 2008, just prior to the GFC. In a lot of ways, um, the QIC was probably the last genuine long-term investor of its time and probably the forerunner to the future fund. But one of the things that I realised personally as a result of working there was that around the time of the GFC, fundamental analysis had taken a major departure from what we had done. And that was because in the GFC, what I came to realise was the internationalisation of business and the way geopolitical events sweep the world. And it, it formed a need for me to understand those geopolitics uh, with a naive endeavour to believe that I could predict and understand and use them to my advantage. But I realised quite quickly that it's actually a very, very difficult science to conquer. So at, at QIC, we did very, very fundamental research. We had telephone conversations probably every month, maybe every six weeks with the managing directors of each of our investments and a lot of others that we didn't invest in. We travelled Australia from Brisbane. Uh, indeed, we travelled the world wherever we needed to, do, to go within a reasonable uh, budget and time frame. And we used all that information to the best advantage we could to try and be ahead of the market. Now, there's an important concept of being uh, a researcher and being ahead of the market. Certainly at that time, we were doing good fundamental grassroots work. For instance, if we had a Victorian car parts manufacturer, for example, that was putting on a third production line, we would be in touch with the management. We would know the cost of that production line. We would know how many widgets it should produce. We would know when it was likely to be up and running, when it should be at full production. These were just part of our conversation. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. ...that we would have. And when you ring a managing director or a finance director and say, how's that production line going? And at the other end of the line, it's, hmm, 
Well, let me tell you, you get an idea. It doesn't have to be uh, inside information like people, I think, thought it was. Um, but the reality is you've got a really good idea as to what's going on in that business by spending 20 minutes or 15 minutes on the telephone. So that was a lot of what we did through that time. And we set up networks as, as extensive as we possibly could. But again, we got caught in that trap of once one person knows, once a broker knows, once it's published, newsletters in the 1990s used to be posted to people. <laughs> Do you remember those times, Phil? <laughs> And we used to get notes from brokers faxed to us every morning. Mm. Um, clearly, that doesn't happen anymore. And so you have a paradigm shift of real substance and probably not well understood. Um, but that information moved so quickly. Again, the problem was to react to it. And I might have had 10 to $100 million invested in a company. And if I realized through my hard work and endeavor that it, that production line wasn't going to come online and the stock was priced for it, once upon a time, I would have had the information advantage that no longer exists anymore. So that's what we were doing. Um, and it was a wonderful training ground for a lot of different reasons. And I enjoyed it immensely, but it was time to do something different. And that's probably, uh, again, the nexus of uh, Pythagoras Investing. Okay, well, that's a good point to come back to Pythagoras. And you alluded to 70 stocks that you, you cover. What's, why, why 70 and why the, those particular stocks? What sort of sectors are you looking at? And give us a bit of an overview of the universe of stocks that you cover. The, we actually take hundreds of stocks. One of the things that we can mathematically see is when a share price is manipulated. And a manipulation of a share price means that it's not true to what it ought to be. If it's not true to what it ought to be, then I don't want our clients involved in that stock. So we very quickly jettison those stocks from the offering. And the second thing is we've got an insight as to the quality of management. And so we use that. Um, it's a little cruder, but we use that to weed out stocks that we don't think are appropriate. So all of the time, we're trying to get the highest possibility of the highest returns for our clients. So those, therefore, those stocks choose themselves in that way. Now, banks are not a place that I feel drawn to invest. And I know a lot of people invest in banks, and they typically must invest in banks due to the dividends. Because if you look at banks over a five or a 10-year period, they haven't gone anywhere terribly much. And, and I'm trying to ignore the last two months of returns because they've, haven't, they've pretty much halved since then. Now, if I take my put my fundamental hat on and think about banks, one of the critical elements of the banking system at the moment has been to satisfy the need of the government to not be too aggressive with mortgage holders and, and um, debt holders. And so that means there's been an amount of moral suasion, which isn't a word that I have used since the 1980s when I was studying um, all of those textbooks. But the moral suasion has been brought to bear on the banks, and they are therefore being more accommodating. Now, if you say that fast, you can pretty much let that slip by. But in practice, what it means 
to be a bank at the moment is taking on more risk. And you could argue that, well, a bank doesn't have a choice because if I look down my street, maybe one in eight or one in 10 would be being foreclosed if the banks didn't do that. But one way or the other, I just don't see it as fair that as a shareholder of a bank, I'm taking on the responsibility foist upon me by the government on a bank, which is a system that's been protected for a long, long time. And, and, based, on, and based on the bad behaviour of the banks in the past as well. There's a lot of that in there as well. Mm. And you can, you can talk all day about um, brokers and information and misinformation. Um, I mm-hmm. agree. Yep. And we, you know, you just look back to the Royal Banking Commission, which um, just illustrates to you the naughty things that happen. But mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, it wouldn't have been a hard conversation to have if you were the government um, just making restitution for the naughtiness of the past. <laughs> naughtiness that's very sweet of you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, you never know what you might get brought with if, <laughs> if you make too many comments phil that's right uh so look uh, in terms of other sectors i've been attracted to oil and gas uh, in these recent months and i think that was part of the, the conversation we had some time ago where when i looked at oil and i looked at covid19 the lack of consumption of oil um, in every respect through planes, trains and automobiles and then the oversupply of the world uh, on oil. When I looked at the uh, March 6 OPEC meeting and then the reaction as a result of Saudi Arabia turning its back on an alliance that went back to 1960 and the way the whole world reacted to that action But ultimately, it ended up in oil supplies being cut. And I had expected that oil would be cut further than the 10% of production. Um, But that hasn't actually happened. And then we had that massive manoeuvre by a foreign country that sold oil down to minus $37. And that really started me to get excited about oil and gas because there's a few things that I know. COVID-19 is going to go away. And and these were my thoughts two months ago. And it, and um, in actual fact, one of those Ausbiz News uh, interviews is me talking about um, oil some, some weeks ago. Once COVID-19 is under control, we'll get back into our cars, we'll get back onto the trains, and ultimately we'll be back on planes. And that reduction of production of oil will be 10 million uh, that'll be needed again. So I felt very attracted to oil stocks that had been uh, knocked down 70%. So, you know, my personal view was a great place to be and my super fund is full of them now. Um, If listeners want to find out more information about you and the methodology, you've set up a page for us specifically to do with this podcast. Tell us a bit about that and what we can see there. So our web address is pythagorasinvesting.com. And the forward slash ASA is where you'll find that information. So what I've put there, because I understand that all of this is just words and some of us learn with words, some listen, some need charts. Um, I've put a chart there of A2 milk. And what it's showing you, and hopefully you get a chance to look at it in your own time, is even in the worst of crises that we've ever seen, there are opportunities to make money. And so 
that oil crisis um, meeting that we heard of in March, we sold just prior to that at $16.65. It's the orange blob on that chart. And then had four bites at the uh, re-entry into that stock. And that's typically what we do. We don't put one lot of money down and let it sit. We diversify into the stock. That came along and gave us four opportunities. Within a month, we'd returned uh, 9% on each of those four buys on average return. But it doesn't stop there. You see, these opportunities are going on all of the time. And there were another four buys um, who returned uh, about 9% as well. So what we're doing is taking those opportunities as they come and creating the returns for investors as they present themselves. Because as I said before, putting your fingers in your ears and closing your eyes is just a formula for not being able to make the money that's there for you to make. In addition, on that page, I've just added a little bit more information about uh, what we do and a button there if you want to have a chat, which I'd love to do. And in addition, for those who are keen to have a trial and make it real for themselves, there's an opportunity to register your interest in a trial. And that's free, no obligation. And also some uh, links there as well to some of your appearances on Ausbiz TV, which have been um, have been excellent, I've got to say. That's great. Thank you, Phil. So, yes, that's where to find us, pythagorasinvesting.com. And uh, love to have a chat if you so desire. Okay, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us on the Equity Investor Journey. It's uh, been a pleasure speaking with you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Phil. The company and or guest has contributed to the costs associated with producing this episode of the Equity Investor Journey. Important, please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education and they're not designed to provide financial advice, nor are they recommendations to buy shares in the companies featured. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn.au if you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered. 